This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. Tell me, tell me, tell me, You're listening to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawks Bay. This is a program called The Wonderful World of Wardini Books. And it's my pleasure, as always, to have you in the studio, Lou, on this, as we head into it, Art Deco Weekend. Oh, it is too, yeah. Are you an Art Deco Weekender? Do you get dressed up and do the thing? I have done, in the past when we've had visitors. Yeah. That's always been a nice thing to do. It's a bit more laid back this year because of COVID, but uh, there there are some things going on. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into uh, more uplifting things, which will be some fabulous books that you bought, and I love the first title, it's called Vam Penguin. Vam Penguin, and it's written and illustrated by Lucy Ruth Cummins. Can you tell what's up with that picture? Uh, I won't kind of tell what's up with it. Um, it's got vampires, which are... It does have vampires. Yeah. And there's a real mum. I'm going to have to tell you about you the story, aren't yeah, Tell me, yeah. tell me. Yeah, okay. I'm too dumb, that sort so of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Dracula family. Yes. And they have decided, got all excited. So there's mum and there's three kids and they're all excited. They're going off to the zoo for the day. So mm. they queue up with all the other people, who none of whom appear to be vampires but there we go that's fine and um, they're very excited and the first stop when they go to the zoo is always the penguin house and the room is chilly and dark and full of visitors and i think if you look carefully at what's going on there you might get a clue as what might happen yes i can i get a clue because there's babby penguin there and he's managing to slip his shackles out of his little buggy and look, he's oh, making friends with the baby penguin. And they almost look the same. Yes, they do. Yes. They do indeed. So there were a daily penguins, African penguins, chin straps, flashy southern rock hoppers, and even a handful of emperor penguins. Um, and after they'd seen everything there was to see, they were ready for something different. And the words don't tell you as much as the story as the pictures do. Yes. Because this is a confused little penguin that's come out of the door there. They've slipped in while... Um, it just happens to look like... The chap was, yeah, feeding yes. the thing. Uh, and there's the baby penguin, uh, baby Dracula, going into the penguin enclosure. And they have uh, strapped him into the buggy and away they go. So Dracula family's got a penguin. <laughs> and back in the penguin enclosure, it was time for breakfast. There was almost enough to go round. Except for... Because little Dracula penguin is uh, Dracula is quite hungry apparently, and this is how it goes on. So then the Draculas just potter about, and they have a marvelous time at the zoo, and the little baby Dracula is is having a great time too. Uh, There's a lot to take in for this. (laughs) He's had he's had ice creams. (laughs) He's loving it. He's had a brilliant time. That little penguin in there. Um, So off they go to the aviary. They flew right through it, and. Eventually, at the, pe- oh, at the penguin exhibit, some respectful children came to quietly observe the penguins, but they're not. They're being quite horrible. Uh, for some reason, they didn't hang around. <laughs> I wonder what that reason might yeah, be. Yeah, they got a little bit frightened by something that was going off in the penguin enclosure. A person was hanging upside down. Yes, yeah. So, um... And I quite like it because, like you mentioned, uh, very few words because the pictures tell the story. The, yeah, there's, it was like two stories going on. It's just yeah. a family going around the zoo and it's quite lovely. Uh, the little brothers looked at the at the baby and gone. Oh. <laughs> so they they pose for a souvenir picture. They get their souvenir picture, uh, and they get a. Junior insisted they stop for a balloon in his favourite colour. That little penguin's hopping back inside, and uh, they've got their baby back. And Mum never knew a thing. 
So it's a story of negligent parenting. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah. There is a moral in this somewhere. There is. And I like the car too. What a cool car. Yeah, it's lovely. I think there is a picture of the um, <laughs> family portrait. <laughs> yes. <laughs> with the penguin, the penguin in, it. in there. Yeah. So I like that. Works on so many levels, eh? It does work on so And I love, luckily, I like the idea of pointing to little kids in the pictures and saying, show me this and what's that and what are they doing and you don't even need the words. Yeah, and I've just realised, I think it's not three kids, that's Dad, isn't it? Because he's got a little yes, moustache. he has got a little moustache. Yeah, he's just not much taller than the kids. I love the black balloon. Yes. <laughs> love a black balloon. And tell us about mm. Cat and Cat Adventures. Yes, this is book one and it's called The Quest for Snacks which is why I picked it up. I mm. thought, oh, I would like to go on a quest for snacks. Yes, I would too. Uh, and this is written and illustrated by Susie Yee. And here we have two cats. They are called Squash and Ginny, and they live in an apartment in a big city. It looks like New York or somewhere, mm. Flash. It's a comic book. It's a little comic book. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, or graphic novels, as some people yes. call them, but to you and I. It's a comic, comic book. Yes. Um, they're not ordinary cats, so their owner's just gone off to work for the day. And they're like, okay, what are we going to do with ourselves? They're like, they're magical cats on a quest. And they go down into their secret lair with the sole purpose of their mission, to eat as many snacks as possible. (laughs) So they've got snacks. Unfortunately, at some point, they run out of snacks. And they're like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? This is their raison d'etre, to sit in their lair and eat snacks. But no fear... It's magic potion time because they're magic cats. They're magic cats. I love them. So they've got to make a magic snack potion and they need a scale from a catfish in Mew Maid Ocean, a lava rock from Mount Lava and a jar of rain from the Enchanted Rainforest. And Ginny, who is quite impulsive, gets the wand out and goes, right, okay, you know, we're just going to have a look at this and then whoosh they've gone they've gone through to this magic and squash is like oh my goodness i really wanted to make a plan but okay i'll deal with this and so all the way through you've got this very impulsive one and then squash with his one little eyes obviously had a big scrap at some point (laughs) um is the the pragmatic one and they meet such lovely characters you know it's not Mm. one that's full of danger they do meet the mumaid and they have a race with her to get the scale and and they become friends and then they go on and they they help a little dog called magma Mm. because and he helps them and so they get the next bit and then they go to the enchanted rainforest and it all comes together really nicely and they have a little bit of a tiny ethical dilemma at the end and they make a really good choice oh that's good another book with a moral yeah yeah but it's not shoved down your face really they are two cats looking for snacks (laughs) (laughs) what's your go-to snack yeah, oh, I feel like a snack. What would Ooh, it be? I really like nuts. Oh, yes, Have you had those almonds that are tamari-flavoured ones? No. They put tamari on them. Oh, they're, they're delicious. Yummy taste. Yeah. My favourite nut would be pistachios. Mm. Salted pistachios. Yeah. Except they're a bit of a hassle to get in and out of, but they add to the um, the whole shooting box. Don't they? Yeah, That's it. The that experience my, of yes, it. Right, that's my favourite. Yeah. Um, tell us about a terrible kindness, and it doesn't sound like it's going to be very kind. <sighs> You'll know, I think, the background to this book. So it's a novel, mm. but it starts in 1966. And uh, we meet young William Lavery and he's 18 and his family business is an undertaker's and he's just qualified as an embalmer. So he's been off to college. He's got he's done very well and he's become an embalmer and he's in a, at a dinner dance to celebrate that evening. And there is a call from Wales um, from Abervan. Mm, I know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. So you know where I'm going. Yes, now. indeed. Yeah. So, for listeners that might not know what happened in 1966 mm. in Abervan, um, the coal mining board had 
unsafe piles of slag mm. of refuse from the mines and I think it was number seven decided in the rain that it was going to um, basically avalanche yes. onto the village and it destroyed the school and some houses and it killed 116 children mm. and in the, in the UK it's just never healed that hurt, no. has it ever so the call comes out we need embalmers we need hearses we need little coffins and William says I can do this he knows he's good at his job and he drives through the night to Abervan and this is the in the first few chapters are the most upsetting mm. scenes of the book really because he's got to go and people dig the children out and then they take them to the chapel and the embalmers mm. make these children identifiable yes and make them lovely mm. for, for their that's why it's a terrible mm. kindness yes indeed um, because title. they make them lovely um, yeah. for their parents and it's absolutely heartbreaking um this isn't William's first trauma, really. So he, as a child, his father died quite young. And his mother's always had this really sort of tense relationship with his uncle Robert, who was his father's identical twin. So you can see that might be complex mm, yes. for her. And his their business partner, Howard, as well. And that's a complex relationship. The mother's quite jealous of those men. Mm. And their their potential hold over her son, William, little William who has the voice of an angel. So she gets him in to um, be a chorister in Cambridge at a boarding school there, and he sings in the Cambridge Boys Choir and all that kind of thing. Um, but because of this relationship between his mother and his uncle and, and the business, and the partner, um, all sorts of kind of unkindnesses go off in those relationships, mm. which, which lead, lead William to become an embalmer rather than a singer. Mm. And and the rest of the story is just like finding out exactly what happened and why is he estranged from his mother by the time he's 18 and from his best friend who he was so close to mm. when he was at school. You know, what's happened? And also he's got um, a, a girlfriend that he's met that he lodged in her house when he was training to be an embalmer. So there's all this, what's going on with William? The things that he saw at Abervan can't leave him, so how is he going to deal mm. with that? And there's a lot going on in it, and it was really lovely. It's a beautiful story. Yeah, how could you leave? How could you leave that experience behind? I mean, if you're of a certain age, as soon as you said that name, well, you, who wouldn't know it? Yeah, exactly. It never leaves you, does it? No, no. Even if you weren't directly involved with it yourself, no. So you just can't believe it. What would you rate that book out of ten? What is it? Oh, it's a nine out of ten. Yeah, yeah wow. it's, it's a page turner, or is there something you got to put down and come back to and think, "Ooh, well, that's a bit heavy." No, no, I think because it, it dealt with it really. Um, Joe Browning Rowe, who I didn't mention, gosh, the author. Um, I think she grew up in a um, sort of funeral home environment. Mm. I think there's a note at the front um, that she, yeah, she grew up close and personal to the world of embalming. Just as my sister and I knew to jump over, not on the blue-grey scattered ashes, those softly spoken men in long black coats were part of life. And so she talks about yes. their respect and their gentleness, and she's brought a lot of that into the writing. Who's going to read that book? Um, I think it would be a good one for book clubs because there's a lot to discuss in there. Mm. Um, there is kind of that, I don't know how I feel about the morbid fascination of Abervan, because mm. you just can't believe it, can you? And you, and no, you, you try cannot. and put yourself in... The, the shoes of the parents and you can't even begin to imagine you it. can't begin to imagine how they would then carry on mm, yeah exactly so um yeah anyone that can cope with that some people will just go no i don't want to read about yeah. dead children right, but it's not about dead children right. it's about the aftermath of it it's about a terrible kindness yeah indeed yeah we want any of these marvelous books where do we get them Wardini books that's that's the place to come my pleasure as always <laughs> you look after yourself talk at the same time same place next cool. week thanks Kim. we wrote the book down
This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.